News Network. When the leader of the free world is better at backing up than he is at looking forward. When the courts won't hear the truth. When a sitting congressperson openly calls for violence. Where do you turn for clarity? You turn to the truth. TNN, the Truth News Network, and Dan Newman. That's what we do here. Regardless of our opinions or the opinions of our listeners or those who read our stories at truthnewsnet.org, we're out there trying to find the truth. That's what we do here. We're not out there trying to impress anybody, talk about something that's going to jam somebody up emotionally be nasty or ugly. That's not what we're about. We're about finding facts, the ones especially that are so appropriate to everything we face today. We're going to dig into that. We have a bunch to get into today. Very important things are happening. I guess maybe the most important thing is this is going to be a big week, maybe today a big day, and that it is apparent that the U.S. Supreme Court is going to make some renderings and release those on several issues. At least three, we think, may be handled by the SCOTUS Supreme Court of the United States this week. We're watching, and if any of those come out during the show today, we'll break in and bring those to you. In addition to that, there's a lot of things that are going on that are a little bit abnormal, I want to say, first of all, thank you for letting us not air a program on last Friday. It's very seldom that we do that. Even when we're on the road, we always do a show, almost always. It's very rare, but I appreciate it. And uh, it was a good good getaway for me with my son. Those that know our family or know just me, you know my son is Caleb. He's the baby in the family, and he and I, We tagged into, I guess, about 22 years ago, a hobby that we both together are into, and that's collector knives. It started on vacations, family vacations. We would go to Gulf Shores, Alabama on the beach every year since our kids were little. And there's a knife store there called St. Nick's, and they carried automatic knives, or what we called as teenagers, switchblades. But they carry some that are very, very different. They're artistry uh, done. They're not just plain old knives, and they're automatics or switchblades. So we started collecting them together. He was a little kid at that time. Well, he's never been a little kid because he's huge. Now he's 6'9". But then he was, you know, a young kid. And we have developed and continue to get into that hobby together. It's a great thing to do because it's family stuff. So the largest knife show in the world is held every year in Atlanta, Georgia, and it's in this weekend, this past weekend, and that same um, same weekend every year. So we were there together. I spent that time with him a couple of days, and um, it was just good to, good to get away. We kept our eyes on anything. If we'd seen anything critical that happened uh, on Friday, we would have reached out to you then. And, of course, a lot of things happened. We're going to talk about those. But thanks for giving us that time off. We posted on the story that day that we weren't going to have a show on Friday, and some of you missed it. I got quite a few uh, texts and emails wondering what was going on. We'll try to be more obvious about that and give you uh, more information if anything like that happens in the future. 
And you never plan on it, but maybe, just maybe, it will. I've got a lot of things to talk to you about today. And let me just say, probably the most important thing going on is violence in our nation right now. And I mean, to say that's the most important thing in the whole nation, that's a big commitment to make. Why? Because there are so many really important things that are happening around us. And many of them are, some will say, probably more important than gun violence in our streets. But it's the 900-pound gorilla in the room. And so over the weekend while I was away in Atlanta and whatever you were doing across the nation, terror took place. At least three people are dead today in Philadelphia. Nearly a dozen other injured. And that shooting happened Saturday evening. What was it? How did it develop? Authorities responded to the scene in the South Street neighborhood. Now, let me let me tell you this. I know Philadelphia rather well. South Street goes all the way through the city. And this is a part of the city that it wasn't really a good part or isn't a really good part of the city. Shootings happened just before midnight. Found multiple shooters, did the police, with one firing into a crowd of people. Philadelphia Police Inspector D.F. Pace said 14 people were shot, three died. You can imagine there were hundreds of individuals enjoying South Street as they do every single weekend when the shooting broke out, Pace said. According to the report, a police officer fired their own weapon at at least one person and the suspect was hit, apparently. It's not immediately clear if that guy was hit by the police officer or other shooting in the crowd. Eric Walsh, an employee of the nearby O'Neill's Pub, said he heard gunshots about 11.30, acted swiftly to get those in and around the bar to seek shelter. People were coming off the street with blood splatters on white sneakers, skinned knees, and skinned elbows, he said. We literally were just balling up napkins and wetting them and handing them to people. It was chaos. Stuff like this is happening every weekend now, isn't it? Every weekend. And just because it's been happening every weekend, and just because of the latest mass shooting, the real mass shooting incident that happened in the nation in Uvalde, Texas, it is now all 100% political. It's all political. And that's not a good thing. It's not at all, because typically when very honest, serious issues come out and they're really big and everybody's seeing and talking about them, and the politicians take over, you can bet all of the important pieces of what is happening, if it's bad, to stop it from happening any further. And obviously that applies to gun shootings in the nation. They are rampant, have been rampant, are today and will be tomorrow. I promise you. But politically, with the midterm elections just a few months away, everybody in politics sees this as an opening for them to do two things. Monetize it and to give them a bully platform so that they can get out there and divide Americans further, letting their political persuasion and those who support it couching any conversations about gun violence to fit their perspective so they can raise campaign dollars, 
And then they can also get people out there so mad they'll go to the polls. How do I know that? You, you know it. You know it as well as I do. We see it happen about everything. Everything. Look back over the last few years. When Donald Trump was in president, Democrats came up with something new to attack him with almost weekly. Trying to get everybody to ignore anything good that happened in our, in our lives during that, that week, the previous week. And they stayed really busy because there were a lot of good things that happened during a Trump presidency. They don't want us to talk about that. And they don't want to talk about anything bad that's going on in the Biden administration. Because if we do that, if the media does that, that makes this guy look bad and then it, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to really create problems in the midterm elections. I got to be honest with you. I think that ship has sailed. I really do. I think the Democrat Party in, in the midterm elections in November is toast. I mean, absolutely toast. I believe it's going to be a bloodbath. Every day now when I'm watching how the Senate is playing out, because as you know, there's a 50-50 split Democrat-Republican in this current Senate. It looks like there may be three seats now that will flip. That would, of course, give Republicans a really big edge because the Republicans are going to just slaughter Democrats in the House. And, of course, somebody said this over the weekend, and I agree with them. Well, it depends on who's counting the votes in in the election. Look what happened in 2020. But, folks, this is really, really getting more and more serious. Because, as I can tell you, and you already know this, Second Amendment rights, they are toast. And before we get into some specifics of some things today, I want to share a comment. Every comment that anybody makes on any story here at TNN Live, before it actually goes live on the site, one of us have to approve it. And so I was on a plane flying back yesterday from Atlanta, and I got a, I got a comment on the site from Sam, and I know who this is, but I'm not going to tell you, Sam. Let me just let me just let me just read what Sam had to say that he commented about. I'm going to quote Sam. Check the drama. He said, "I'm prior law enforcement and a gun owner, and know plenty of Democrats that are gun owners and Second Amendment supporters. Stop acting like everyone wants to rob you of your rights." You're feeding the same lies, just opposite of the lies that they tell. I thought I could come here for truth. Instead, I feel like I've been exposed to right-wing toxicity. It's either left-wing toxicity or right-wing toxicity. For those of us in the middle who appreciate all Americans and just want some damn news without your subjective, personal, and angry spin. It's the same old Tucker and Rachel show just a different spin doctor network to make money and feed BS. We can't find decent journalism anywhere. And then he ended it with this little slam, and I love this. And get an editor. For the love of God, people read your column. You know, a lot of people would get upset with that. And I replied to Sam. Had a lot of time on the plane, so I replied to Sam. And I'm just going to read you my reply to Sam. First, Sam, thanks for taking a look at our site. 
Also, thanks for commenting. Sam, how can anyone check the drama? Our world is full of drama for most of us 24-7. It's the most topical item in news worldwide. Regarding Second Amendment stances, I don't see it as a GOP or Democrat issue. It's an American issue. And I referenced this sentence he said, Stop acting like everyone wants to rob you of your rights. Sam, why would I stop acting like that? It's true. The batch of bills, eight of them, the U.S. House is considering this week, each would steal a bit of Americans' gun rights guaranteed us in the Constitution. In summary, let me suggest something to you, Sam. You took the time to pin a comment and to send it. I appreciate your doing so. But here's a suggestion. Please stay with us and let us know how you feel about all issues we publish and your perspectives. Next time, however, please refer to the story items that spurred your comments. We do post opinions mingled into our facts on which we report. Take us to task. Tell me which story, which part of the story you disagree with. And respond factually giving us examples of facts that negate what we published. That's our mantra here. Just because you think something is right doesn't mean it's right. Just because you think something's wrong doesn't mean it's wrong. You didn't do that. You made wide, sweeping allegations without being specific about anything and certainly gave no facts to counter anything we published in whatever story you're referencing. You arbitrarily determined that I'm a Republican. Or as you said, what you read, exposed to right-wing toxicity without any specifics. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat either. In the journalistic world, we call what you're doing drive-by shooting. That's a hard leftist way of confronting anyone with an opposing opinion. And it wastes time. Normally, it's counterproductive to finding facts and sharing them with others. Thanks again for stopping by. I hope you'll continue to do so. And I summed it up by saying this. Oh, by the way, every story published here is edited at least twice before going into the public queue. We do make a mistake now and then and love to know when we do. And we have people, friends, that will reach out when there is a a typographical error or something like that in the story. Feel free when you're compelled to reach out to us. Include any specifics of the publishing mistakes that you find. It'll help us. Now, you heard my reply. His is shorter. Let me read it again. Check the drama, he said. I'm prior law enforcement and a gun owner. Know plenty of Democrats that are gun owners and Second Amendment supporters. Stop acting like everyone wants to rob you of your rights. You're feeding the same lies, just opposite of the lies they tell. I thought I could come here for truth. Instead, I feel like I've been exposed to right-wing toxicity. It's either left-wing toxicity or right-wing toxicity. For those of us in the middle who appreciate all Americans and just want some news without your subjective, personal, and angry spin. It's the same old Tucker and Rachel show. Just a different spin doctor network to make money and feed BS. We can't find decent journalism anywhere. And get an editor. For the love of people, read your column. For the love of God, people read your column. 
So you heard my comments. Let me just illustrate something in what he had to say. It's very prevalent that the opinion that you just heard from him, he mentioned nothing specific in his comment. And by the way, we posted it. It's on the website. I I let it go. And and in most cases, if any comment comes in and it, it makes sense, I'm not saying they agree with us. That's not it. Sam certainly doesn't. But if it makes sense, I want to make sure everybody hears and sees that we honor people's opinions here and we don't think just because we think something is so that that just because we think it makes it so. We could be wrong. There are so many people in our lives today that have adopted exactly what Sam did. You just get a feeling in your gut that something's wrong and without even analyzing the specifics that you digested that your gut's telling you, aren't quite right and you need to lash out as Sam did. You know what? We're not going to get anything changed. We're not going to get anything done unless people get specific. I mean, I'm a a thinking 68-year-old man. I'm not stupid. I have opinions too. And as I always say here, just because it's my opinion doesn't make it right. But if I'm wrong when I express my opinion, it's important for me to know that. And I would love if Sam had reached out and what he said would be fine. But then Sam should have said, in the story, yada, 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 you said this. Here's why what you said is wrong. And counter what was wrong in your opinion with facts. It's not a, I got to be right all the time thing. It's never that. And we tell you often when we post stories, when we make comments, when we do sound bits on the air, sometimes they can be wrong. But we never put anything out there unless and until we have researched it to determine its validity. We still might be wrong because you don't get today, you know this, You don't automatically today, you don't get 100% truthful information in the news world. It's tough to get facts because the politicians and the political perspectives take over and you get the stories that are all couched with opinion rather than just giving us facts and letting us determine if what you're giving us is actually factual. I mean... The New York Times, the Washington Post, they're fact-checked out the wazoo. And probably at this point, at least 60% of what they write is either totally wrong, parts of it, or a huge part of it can be subjectively negated. You know, being, being right half the time, that's no big deal. That's kind of a good, scene, the good thing you're being, that means... or 55 or whatever it is percent of the time, you're right. Why would you not want to be right all the time, especially if you're a news source and especially if you have unfettered access, including dollars and cents, for research and technology so you can really dig in and get the truth before you publish something? 
The Washington Post came up with its way to fact check, the Pinocchios. Last week, two different occasions. There may have been more than that, but I saw our president get three Pinocchios in one and four Pinocchios, which is the worst, in another. Now, they're reporting about what President Biden said on some things. But what about somebody like Sam? What about somebody like you? What about someone like me? What you speak into the blogosphere, if you write it or if you say it, you put it in an email or text, it's out there. And it's very unusual when just one person sees or hears or reads what we say and what we put out there in techno world. It's like a rock. You throw a rock in the water, it doesn't just go straight down with one little ripple. No, the ripples keep going out, keep going out, because each ripple impacts and creates the next one. It's like things we say. So we're very careful here when we're putting something out as news, if we don't know that it's factual, that we tell you we have not yet confirmed or found out this thing is wrong, but it sounds very important. We want you to know it's out there. And often, we'll get a reply with somebody that'll send a link or two, or maybe even an opinion, telling us what they personally think or what they found trying to verify what we post or what we say on the air. Getting to the truth, regardless of what Sam thinks, that's what we're all about. Nobody around me, I have no political hacks in my life. (laughs) I don't need any more. Uh, There's about half of them in the U.S. Congress that are all political hacks. (laughs) And uh, that is plenty enough for me. But regarding the Second Amendment that he brought up, I appreciate, and he may be listening, I don't know. Sam, if you are, I appreciate your service as law enforcement. Appreciate the fact that you're a gun owner. And I know, I know plenty of Democrats that are gun owners and Second Amendment supporters. But no person can legitimately say that at least half of the members of the U.S. Congress are wanting to rob us of our rights. They say they're not, but if you couch any kind of legislation that runs counter to the Second Amendment, which every one of those eight bills that are proposed in the House they will be at some point, if they're passed and signed into law, every one of the eight will be ruled unconstitutional by the United States Supreme Court. I guarantee you, if they are finally done and passed by both the House and the Senate in the present form that they put them out for us all to see, they won't pass muster. There have been dozens of cases that have gone to the Supreme Court, litigation over unconstitutional gun laws. But when you have members of the House of Representatives that will actually get up and say in front of the media, and it goes around the world on a weekend, guaranteeing that Democrats will pass those gun laws, and if we don't let them They'll go to the streets, and if the U.S. Supreme Court, if in the, in the Senate, before anything goes to the Supreme Court, in the Senate, 
if they filibuster not to allow any of these bills come to the floor to be debated and voted on, what they'll do, Democrats, they're going to get rid of the filibuster. And if it goes to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court knocks them down, they're going to pack the Supreme Court. In other words, democracy, representative democracy in this representative republic doesn't matter when it comes to gun abuse and gun laws that are in the making. In other words, if we don't get our way, we're going to cram it down America's throats even if we have to change the rules. Well, Mr. Representative, Ms. Pelosi, Mr. Schumer, you know what? Our forefathers were pretty sharp at what they did. They knew there would be times like this where there would be oh, just all kind of friction on lots of issues between those of one political ilk and the other side. And they gave us those amendments to the Constitution after they uh, pinned the Constitution and they began to realize as it rolled out in, in life across the nation, there need to be some changes made. So they changed some. In fact, the First Amendments, all 10 of them, they're the ones that crafted and put them together. They're called the Bill of Rights. They wanted to put the government on notice that in every one of those cases, what's included in those from the first, excuse me, from the articles and then the 10 amendments that they passed, the things that are included in there, as times change, it may be necessary to change any and all of them. And they included a way to do that. It's called constitutional amendments. In other words, additional above the 10. We have 26 amendments, all told. So they've done it. But there's a procedure in the Constitution that it's mandated that you go through. And it's made fairly difficult. But obviously it's been used multiple times effectively. These people that are out there that are screaming and hollering about gun stuff and all of the lies and the gross misrepresentations about it. They don't want to go through the process. They want to ramp up the political base on the left and just basically through thuggery, through mob rule, push this stuff through. And they're hoping that regular Americans, enough of the regular Americans out here will just benignly throw their support to them. Forget about the context. Forget about the actual content. And forget about all of the times the other proposed gun laws have come. They're signed into law, but they end up at the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court says, nope, unconstitutional. But see, here's the sad part about this process. That's happened many times before. And most of, if not all of the people in the case of each individual law, politically they knew it wouldn't stand and pass muster. But you know what it did? It gave them fuel to use in politics to diminish their opponents by whipping up their proponents into a frenzy making a lot of noise, and with that, political support begets political power. 
It's all part of politics, folks. It has nothing to do with enforcing the rule of law on gun control. Let me just tell you, there's only one way gun mass killings will stop. There's only one. It's when the people have had enough. The people, not just little pockets in Philly and Chicago and L.A. and Manhattan. Not just in those places, but across the nation. When the people say, enough is enough. And you know what? It's sad that that has to even be considered here today. Why should the people have to be the ones that say enough is enough? Why don't these members of Congress, why don't they say today enough is enough? Do you know there are 600 gun laws on the books around the nation, federal gun laws around the nation that have been passed through the years? I'll give you an example. One of the big issues that's being considered now are what they call red flag laws. You know what those are? Let me give you an example. And this has actually happened, by the way. I won't give you names or tell you specifics, but it it actually has happened. A couple with a couple of kids moves into a brand new neighborhood. Don't know anybody in the neighborhood. So it's one of those neighborhoods that, you know, they're kind of spread out. They're not real close. There may be a half acre lot. And so you don't just run into your next door neighbor very often. So you don't really know everybody. It just so happens your next door neighbor, when you move in, they run by and come up while the movers are still there. And um, they want to meet you. Well, that's a great, that's a good thing to do. So you introduce yourself and they ask you all about you and you ask them all about them. Just being friendly, you know? Everything's cool. And they they say at the end of that when they're going away, well, we're glad you're here. When you get settled in, maybe we can go have dinner or something. Great. That's a good thing. Right? Okay. That was on a Friday. Saturday night, about 11 o'clock, the people that just moved in, all of a sudden, their front door, they're in bed. Their front door is knocked down. Troops of SWAT officers run into the house, all of them armed to the hilt. The father, when he hears all the racket, he runs out of his room. He's a Second Amendment advocate. He's got a gun in his hands to protect his family. He doesn't know what's going on. He sees men breaking into his house in the dark. And he raised his gun to shoot to protect himself and his family. And he was killed instantly. His oldest son ran in right after that, saw his dad go down. He didn't know what was going on. He had a gun. They shot and killed him. What happened was the neighbor coming to welcome the new people to town saw a gun safe and saw a bunch of guns in it. Hmm. So his wife is a good friend with the local police chief and the police chief's wife. She calls them and says, 
we're really concerned here. This family moved in next door, and they've got dozens of guns and gun safes and all kinds of ammunition, and they talked about their hunters, and they talked about asking us about the safety and the police in this community. We're afraid. We're afraid that they're white supremacists. Would you check them out? And that's what the police force did that night. They went to check them out. (laughs) Knocking down your front door doesn't sound like checking out. That wants to be made legal through red flag laws. What that lady did, going to the police chief, that's a red flag. If something comes up, somebody says something, you see them doing things, and it looks like they may be into some kind of gun stuff that might be illegal or violent, See something, say something. You know, that's what we say about crime in the nation. That's what she did. She may have kind of ramped it up a little bit, what she had to say with her opinion, because she didn't know anything other than they saw a bunch of guns. Democrats want to make that legal in the United States. Congressman Matt Gates, you know him from Florida, very, very uh, outspoken. He's a good guy from a a wealthy family, and he gets a lot of uh, fingers pointed at him because he's very emotional, and you never have to wonder what Matt Gates thinks, even about, especially about, proposed red flag laws. Let the message from this committee hearing to Republican senators be astonishingly clear. If you back red flag laws at some reflexive response to some emotion that you have. You betray your voters. You are a traitor to the Constitution, the Second Amendment, the Fifth Amendment. You do nothing to make mass shootings less likely. And you put a target on the back of your constituents to be subject to bizarre proceedings that you wouldn't see in any other type of circumstance that has a profound impact on your rights. And these will be abused. They are being abused. I think there's some that would probably red flag some of your colleagues in the Senate. How long until the conversations about kicking Senator Hawley off of aircraft turn into conversations about taking his guns away? See, this isn't just about guns. It's about power. And what the Democrats want is to ensure that the government has the power to take your guns away without giving you due process. And shame on any Republican in the Senate that would pave the way to that type of deprivation of our liberty and our constitutional rights. I yield back to the gentleman from Arizona. Mr. uh, Thank you. The gentleman would further yield to me. Uh, Yes, I will yield to you. Uh, Thanks, sir. Uh, You know, earlier today, Mr. Jones said, you will not stop us from passing this package of bills. If the filibuster obstructs us, we will abolish it. If the Supreme Court objects, we will expand it. We will not rest until we've taken weapons of war out of our communities. Of course, weapons of war is the term of art Democrats have concocted. But every comment from the Democrats today, including the denial of the availability of a gun, uh, of a gun to a, per, a victim of domestic violence, uh, bespeaks their desire to reject the core right entailed in the first in the second amendment well, if, they'll, the, if they'll abuse all those things that the Mr. jones yield? has said would they abuse this will the gentleman yield would they use a, a red flag law 
and, an, and, a, and a favorable official well, you, in a jurisdiction like the ones who changed all the election rules in 2020, would they use those people to go attack uh, their political opponents' gun rights? Well, the gentleman would that you? happen? I think it, I mean, I, I just don't understand why, you know, if they want you, if they've told you who they are, if you're the Republican senators considering doing this, you have to know the context in which you're operating. That's the context. In that situation, you're being asked to say, okay, we'll cut due process for this fundamental right. I don't think you can do it. Will the gentleman yield? Time of the gentleman has expired. Time of the gentleman has expired. Yeah, point taken and understood. But let me just say this. Actually, I think we'll do this. We're going to go to break. When we come back on the other side, here's what we're going to talk about. I'm going to give you some illustrations, some cities and states that have varying levels of gun laws already. I mean, some pretty significant ones. And what they are doing there are what they... Maybe they're not doing there. And I'm going to tell you what's happening and why it's happening. Back after this. In the steel industry, we dedicate our careers to supporting this country, making products to build infrastructure and skylines, creating jobs, supporting families. And when domestic materials are used, the money stays in our communities. That's what really matters. These people, these places, that's worth supporting. Does it matter to you that all our chefs are well-trained? Or that our kitchens are both SLSI and GMP certified? That we freshly bake goodies throughout the day? Well, it matters to us to know that your family will enjoy every bite. At Kiehl's, we're fresh because of what we do. But more than that, we're fresh because of you. Wendy's famous 4 for 4 is heating up with a new spicy crispy chicken sandwich. The queen of spice is delivering that spicy chicken you love with lettuce and mayo between two deliciously soft buns. And yes, in classic 4 for 4 fashion, you can get all that spicy goodness with spicy or crispy nuggets, fries, and a drink to cool off, all for just four bucks. Is it getting hot in here? Or did Wendy's just deliver the hottest deal in fast food? We got you. Offer includes four-piece nuggets, junior fry, value drink. Price participation may vary. This is the sound of regular water droplets. This is the sound of vitamin water droplets. Regular water. Vitamin water. Regular water. Vitamin water. Hey, come on now. Vitamin water. It has vitamins, but also parties. Welcome back Monday at Truth News Network, TNN Live. So glad you choose to join us every day. Listen, we're about finding facts. And as you heard me uh, respond to Sam when we started the show, when he confronted us with that, facts are only the only things on which we need to base our opinions regarding everything, especially important things like gun crime, 
gun violence. Let me, let me explain something to you that I think everybody needs to know. And this is not a blasting of our federal government at all. This is just facts that are out there. Who controls all of the gathering of statistics and looking at gun crimes and those who commit those gun crimes across the nation on the federal level? Biggest law enforcement agency on earth, the FBI. They're the ones that keep up with the numbers too. Let me ask you this. How many times have you ever heard in the gun violence stories, any of them, anywhere, especially the stories where they go after the gun owners and the guns, and oh my gosh, how can everybody want these assault weapons? You know, those evil, fully automatic weapons, which if they are obtained in the United States and used in a crime, the guns were obtained illegally. You can't go to Dick's Sporting Goods and buy an M4, which is an automatic version of the AR-15. You can't do it. How many times when they tell us 14 people shot, three dead, wow, we've got to get control of these guns that people have in their hands. How many times have they told you about the guns in those incidents? No stats given. None whatsoever. They've never, the FBI has never compiled and released any report that talks about the guns that are used in these horrible cases where all these people are shot, many killed. In Plantation, Florida, they talk about the guns, but they don't tell you if they were illegal or illegal. Other places, it's the same thing. What about the hotspot in the United States and therefore in the world on gun violence? Chicago, have you ever heard, every Monday morning we get a report about over the weekend, 30 people shot, 15 dead, and they give us the names of the perpetrators and the names of the the people that are hurt. They tell us all that, even tell us what kind of gun it was perpetrated with. They never tell us if the gun was bought and owned legally or illegally. Why do they do that? They don't want us to know about it because most of the guns, a huge portion of the guns are illegal. An FBI report on active shooter incidents. These stats come from 2021, show that California was the number one state for these incidents, these shooting incidents. Six incidents total in 2021 in California. According to the FBI, there were 61 active shooter incidents across the the country in 2021, and 12 of those met the definition of a mass shooting. California led the nation with six active shooter incidents. Now, here's why I'm bringing this up. California, right now today, they have universal background checks. They have an assault weapons ban, which is a ban on... AK-47s, which is the Russian version of an AR-15, both of those types of guns in California are banned. They have a high-capacity magazine ban, a 10-day waiting period on gun purchases. They have a red flag law, the one we told you about. They have gun registration requirements, what they call a good cause requirement for concealed carry permit issuance 
a ban on carrying a gun on a college campus for self-defense, a ban on K-12 teachers being armed on campus for classroom defense, a background check requirement for ammunition purchases, and a limit on the number of guns a law-abiding citizen can purchase in a given month, and even more controls. By the way, ammunition purchases are only in California allowed if they're made through a state-approved vendor. In other words, you can't get them online. That's what they're trying to do. So here you have, according to the FBI, California is number one for gun law strength. And still with that, in 2021, they led the nation with six active shooter incidents where people were shot and killed. So what's the common trait, the common thing in all of this, the common thread? It's very simple. We wouldn't be having these shootings that keep growing in number and their intensity if one thing, if one thing would happen. If those in government, in the position who have that capability and have that responsibility to enforce the laws, if they would do their jobs, we wouldn't have 99% of this. We wouldn't have. How do you know that, Dan? Well, if you enforced your gun laws, you say these guns are bought legally. People that buy guns legally, criminals, if they honestly fill out the background checks when they go to Dick's Sporting Goods or even Walmart, some places still sell guns. I doubt if they sell them in California, but go to any chain store, you go there. They're going to do the right thing. Before you buy that gun, close the deal on it, even if you want it, you've agreed to everything about it. Before they can sell it to you, close the sale, they've got to run a background and check uh, a check on you. And it's, it's immediately emailed or texted to the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, the BATF, or short, they call themselves ATF. And they check you out. If you have any kind of questionable activities regarding guns or violence or anything like that in the past, or you have any kind of criminal record, you can't buy that gun. So I'm assuming, based upon what they're telling us, all of these guns, they've got to be legal. So if they're legal, why didn't whatever law enforcement got involved in the background checks, why didn't they stop it in the first place? They don't do it. What does this have to do with this conversation today? I don't care how many law, if all eight of these bills that are being presented this week in the House of Representatives, assuming the House will pass them, and they will because they have the majority, and they can get some Republicans to come over to the side here. Why is that? Not so much because any Republicans or any conservative uh, is for red flag laws and more egregious gun laws than we have now, it's because there's an election coming up in November. And they want to make both sides of that argument be in their corner for campaign dollars and also votes. Imagine what we would be talking about today if Chicago 
And the mayor up there, Lori Lightfoot, if she had her police force aggressively seeking out, finding the holders of thousands of illegal guns across Chicago, really doing police work, investigative, I mean really getting into it, having detectives on the street doing just that, especially the gang-related stuff, because most of the shootings there and even in other cities across the nation are perpetrated by gang members. Infiltrate the gang members. Do police work. That's not being done. And even worse, when these things happen, the people, the perpetrators, aren't being prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Well, our jails are full. Oh, or we feel like the best way to handle this, to stop people from doing this, is to teach them how to change their lifestyles. Rehabilitation, that's the buzzword that they use. And it's not just about gun crimes. It's about every other kind of crime. We are not holding people accountable for what they do wrong. And unless we do, and until we do, we're not going to stop the gun problem. It's just not going to happen. And most of what you're going to hear about makes absolutely no sense. Representative Tom Massey, a Republican from Kentucky, he grilled House Chairman Gerald Nadler over a hypocritical argument. Here's what Nadler said. The age of owning a gun should be raised across the nation from 18 to 21. Why? Well, Gerald Nadler, Democrat from New York, longtime member of the House of Representatives. He's the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. Here's the reason why he said we should raise the age from 18 to 21 to own a gun legally because brains at that age, 18 to 21, aren't fully formed yet. We recognize different ages with different purposes. We recognize 18 for the draft. We recognize 16 for driving. And in some states, we recognize 21 for drinking. So we recognize different ages for different purposes That's all I wanted to say. Representative Massey then said, hey, could I have a second to engage that? And so he was given a few minutes. Would the chairman, talking about Jerry Nadler, join me in co-sponsoring a bill to raise the draft age to 21? Nadler responded, no. Massey said, but the chairman feels the brains aren't fully formed at 18, 19, and 20. The research does indicate, Nadler said, that in certain respects, but the selective service needs, I mean, if the country needs, it needs people. Massey jumped right on that. He said, you mean the country needs people whose brains aren't fully formed yet? Matt Gates, who you heard earlier, he quipped, hoping mine, talking about his brain, is fully formed at 40. We won't, we won't put that to a vote. He then tore the Democrats' push for gun control, which you heard in the first segment of the show today. You see, folks, it doesn't have to make sense in politics. But then again, people in politics 
one of the worst things that happens, and sadly it happens in almost every case, when they get there, this is exactly what happens. Everything's watered down. All the good stuff is watered down. And then it sits almost all the time where it's 50-50. Is it right or is it wrong on every issue? That is a good thing to happen. But what the horror of it is, is one side is all in 100%. And the other side is all in 100%. There is no bipartisanship anymore. All that matters is who has control of the House, who has control of the Senate, and what political class is the person sitting in the White House. And the way we are governing this nation now is whoever is in power makes the rules. It kind of sounds like totalitarianism to me, not even authoritarianism, which they screamed for years. That's what Donald Trump was, an authoritarian. Joe Biden is way, way, way more authoritarian than Donald Trump ever was. But facts don't matter. What matters? Political perspective. That's all that matters. Now, there's a, another little surprise, a little misfire going on in Canada. Gun stores there have seen handguns flying off the shelves. Why? Well, <laughs> the gun sales... And many stores are selling out after Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announced gun control legislation that was freezing all pistol purchases. It appears to be a seismic political misfire for the government. Canadian gun store owners have been reporting a massive surge in handgun sales after Canada's minister, Justin Trudeau, announced that he would be implementing gun control laws totally freezing the import and sale of this class of firearm. Many shops in the country have now reportedly sold out of pistols entirely, despite extremely restrictive laws already in place in the country, which can make it almost impossible to purchase a handgun. Every gun store owner who spoke to an agency that checked around derided Trudeau's declaration that he would ban the sale of handguns while also saying that they had all seen a massive surge in pistol sales since he made the announcement last week. We sold 100 handguns, or almost our entire stock, in three days since the Prime Minister announced the freeze. That's the co-owner of that hunting store, before emphasizing that the ban would only hurt legal gun owners. Another shop owner said that the Liberal Party in Canada, the leader there announcement, had created a panic that people are now rushing to buy handguns. Almost all stores are sold out, including me, he said. This is Canada. This is not the United States. This is our neighbors to the north. We're supposed to be the good guys. And you know what's happening? Justin Trudeau is taking, he's taking a look at us down south and the way this new brand of government comes in, which is totalitarian, let me just tell you, Joe Biden has issued more executive orders than any other president in history in just a little over a year, and many of them have been and are being still challenged in court. Several have gone to the Supreme Court, and they've been knocked down. But here's the way they think, and this is what Justin Trudeau is thinking now. 
They don't have a Second Amendment in their Constitution. We do. So here's what the Biden folks are thinking. Look, it takes a long time, sometimes months, sometimes years, when we issue an executive order, or even when we get one of the laws passed, and they're implemented around the nation, they begin to be tested in courts. Going through the court system may take weeks, months, but probably years if it ever gets to the Supreme Court. And so here's what we're going to do. We know any kind of gun legislation, even similar to that that's been passed by previous Congresses, is going to end up being determined by the United States Supreme Court to be unconstitutional. Between now and when they do that, we can accomplish anything and everything that we have wanted to for that period of time. And maybe we can, in that period of time, do enough to keep it from ever getting back in in sway in the marketplace. In other words, if we can stop the sale of handguns through very egregious lockdown policies and laws, if we can do that, even if they ever get, the conservatives ever get the government back, we'll have had enough time to tear it apart. Kind of like what Joe Biden's doing in the United States now. But here's the danger, and we're going to end this segment by telling you about Pat Toomey. You've heard the name. He's a senator, Republican, from Pennsylvania. He's not coming back. His seat is open. That's the one that Dr. Oz was determined to have won the Republican primary over the weekend. Uh, Dr. Oz's opponent, he backed out. He just handed it off to Oz and said with a recount pending that Dr. Oz was going to take the the, uh the nomination of the Republican Party, and he's going to go after the current state attorney general in a general election. But on his way out, Pat Toomey is working hard on gun control. He said yesterday on CBS's Face the Nation that he hopes at least half of his Republican colleagues in the Senate would vote for a gun package that he, Pat Toomey, is currently negotiating. And when they got to, I guess, about the middle of their conversation on that show, Brennan, um, let me look back up here. Margaret Brennan is who is doing the questioning. She said, excuse me, the president himself has campaigned on idea that he can be a deal breaker broker. Does he need to get involved in this gun control stuff or does the involvement of the president lessen the chances of success? Toomey said, yeah, the problem is I think president might have been a president who would reach across the aisle to try to bring people together. Of course, that's what he campaigned to do, but it's the opposite of what he's done. Toomey continued, but he's chosen not to take that approach. Since day one, he has sided with the far left of his party, the Democrat Party, and not reached out to Republicans. He gave a speech on this topic where he advocated policies that he knows for sure have no chance of passing the Senate, probably, couldn't even get 50 votes, and hold the Democrats much less get the 60 we would need through the filibuster. So once again, The president is not being helpful. I think at the end of the day, this is going to come down to whether we can reach a consensus in the United States Senate. There are intensive discussions underway. It includes people who have not been engaged in this issue in the past. 
I can't certainly, I can't guarantee any outcome, but it feels to me like we are closer than we've been since I've been in the Senate. So Brennan followed up on that. She said, so you can get four other Republicans to stand with you, the six who are needed? To me, my hope is we'll get a lot more than that. My hope is we'll get at least half the Republican conference. You know that that's, that should be the gold here. We're going to have to be realistic about what can be done and if we can do that. Senator Murphy alluded to the idea that it's not going to be everything. Certainly the Democrats would like. We'll see where it ends up. What Pat Toomey said has got Republicans and conservatives and Second Amendment advocates around the nation petrified. Let me just say this in closing. If the red flag laws, the bans on what they call assault weapons, which are not assault weapons, they've been lying to the American public. Joe Biden, every time he gets into a Second Amendment conversation, he just brings up pure stupidity. Pure stupidity. He has no idea. He's still out there running around saying that assault weapon ban that he put in when he was in the United States Senate, how effective it was. The FBI stats say it wasn't. When you look at crime violence that was done with other guns compared to AR-15 style guns during that 10-year period, it didn't improve at all. In fact, it may have gone the other way. There is no truth in this political party, the Democrat Party, on everything that's everything in there, abortion, inflation, gun stuff, trying to be able to legitimize people just lying about sex, making it okay to change your sex just by saying you are. I mean, think about the lunacy that we are seeing play out in the Democrat Party and the policies that they're pursuing. You got a guy that heads the Homeland Security Department. Alejandro Mayorkas, he's green-lighted 2 million people in just a year. 2 million illegals coming in, and that's okay. That's okay. It's against the law, and everybody that's allowing it to happen, that's not stopping it, that's in federal government employed, they're committing illegal, illegal acts by doing it. There's no accountability for it. Nobody's getting popped for any of that. Does that make sense to you? I mean, it makes absolutely no sense to me. I don't get it. I don't. And so, educated people who know how to make decisions are making, or already have making, their decisions on this. We have got to stop the law breaking. It doesn't matter if it's theft. It doesn't matter if it's shooting someone. It doesn't matter if it's killing someone Whatever it is, we have got to, our federal government has got to enforce the laws. And let me just finish and tell you this. If Joe Biden's FBI director, Christopher Wray, his attorney general, Merrick Garland, and the president, if those three would sit down and make a commitment among themselves that we are going to, to enforce every federal law 
to exactly what it means to the fullest extent of what the law says, not what we think, our opinions, but what the law says. You know what would happen? There would be an instant drop in crime, criminal acts that are perpetrated with guns, illegally owned guns especially, but any gun. We'd see a quick change. Everyone in law enforcement, they take their read from where? Law enforcement above them, the FBI, the Department of Justice. But until, unless and until that happens, there will be no changes. We will not stop our gun violence. In fact, it will get worse. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. We may not be able to lower the cost of gas, but we can do something about how many miles you will drive per gallon. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store today and let us help you increase the performance of your car or truck. Simple things like replacing your air filter, changing worn-out spark plugs, and using fuel injector cleaner can add up to better fuel economy and big savings. There's an O'Reilly Auto Parts store close to you that has the name brands, low prices, and people who can help. Restore lost fuel economy and eliminate rough idle with Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner. Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts by two and get one free. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner quickly cleans clogged injectors to increase fuel efficiency and help your vehicle run smooth. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner, buy two, get one free at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supply, see store for details. For best life minus the burnout i'm zuri hall from mbc's access hollywood and my new podcast hot happy mess is all about the most important vip you join us each monday as we discuss relationships self-care career and much more our podcast is for mindful ambitious diverse millennial women who are ready for more happiness laughter peace and purpose now iHeartRadio is number one for podcasts and it's easy to see why listen to hot happy mess every week on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts New Dunkin' Refreshers. Vibrant fruit flavors like strawberry, dragon fruit, and peach passion fruit. B vitamins and energy from green tea. All under 200 calories. Order ahead via the Dunkin' app for a contactless way to order, pay, and pick up in the drive-thru. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Is the insanity making your head spin? Okay, let's sit down and figure this out. Together. Again, Dan Newman. Anytime anybody wants to weigh in on the show, feel free to give us a call, 1-866-37-TRUTH, 1-866-37-7884. During the break, uh, I stepped outside the door of the studio, and we, uh, we had a loss in our family last week. I don't even think I talked about it. We have... Two little, uh, very little, four-pound and three-and-a-half-pound Yorkie. And the oldest one was 11 years old. She passed away uh, at the end of last weekend. Tragic. It just tore our, our family apart. We're still trying to recover. But her niece from the same breeder, her niece who is six years younger than her, we got her and she came to live with us about six years ago. And she's beside herself with the loss of her aunt. Kind of treated each other like the old one, the one that passed away, Izzy, uh, and Olivia. The youngest one, her sisters, 
best friends, inseparable. They were together all the time. Well, Olivia is struggling with the loss of her sister, and Olivia has her entire life, all five years, she's had a little fear of storms. And I mean, when I say a little fear, she goes postal. She's looking for mom or dad in a lap to get in. I stuck my nose out of the office, out of the studio, and I, I didn't realize it was there was weather coming up. But uh, as I looked outside, there was a, a lightning bolt. And the short of it is I'm sitting here right now with Olivia in my lap, and she's helping me do the show. You guys know how it is. Our pets become our, our kids. I mean, they're a huge part of our lives. All of our kids are uh, our kids are that way. Our our dogs are that way in almost every case. And so when you lose one, it, it it's it's a it's a loss. And don't make the mistake of ever diminishing that. Relationships are important, and we can have relationships with our pets. And I just encourage you when it comes time, like with Izzy, we knew. She was going down really fast, and we talked a number of times about what was going to happen and how it would affect us, and we tried to prepare for it. It's almost like you lose a kid. And those of you that have been through it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Back to business here as usual. What are we facing this week? Well, I mentioned something about our government and people that work in our government not enforcing laws that they're supposed to. Did you know this? I'll tell you this right now. There's a big, big, big aggregate of illegals that are gathering down in the southern end of Mexico. 15,000 right now is the number. And they're about to head towards our southern border. 15,000 in one pack. Did you know, even though that is on its way, U.S. border officials are quietly today, every day, they're busing a flood of wage-cutting, rent-spiking migrants into our towns and cities despite the court-ordered preservation of the Title 42 barrier, which the Biden administration is not enforcing. It's like eight to 9,000 every day now. U.S. Border Chief Mayorkas and his pro-migration deputies are using that Title 42 barrier to send some Central American single men and families back to Mexico. But Mayorkas is cutting loopholes in the barrier to place everyone else on government-funded buses to go to cities and towns across the U.S. Now, this is coming from Todd Benzman, who works for the Center for Immigration Studies. They're letting in people from the Middle East, Asia, Africa, the extracontinentals, and also from Cuba and South America, he said. They're letting in Peruvians, about 500 a week now. They're letting in Ecuadorians and tons and tons of Venezuelans. Thousands all month being bused from Del Rio to America with legal documents. Just think about that last phrase, with legal documents. So in other words, Mayorkas' crew, they're just logging them in, and they're giving them a... Order to, order to appear at some later date. And that makes them legal wherever they go because all they have to do is honor that, that court date on that piece of paper. And law enforcement around the nation, they're obligated just to let them pass. Breaking more than 7,000 migrants have been approved buses to leave the south border to other states to process 
their humanitarian visa to move to the north. NPR reported it this way. People seeking asylum are still crossing, and at least one shelter for them in Arizona is seeing record numbers. 70 miles to the north of Nogales, the Casa Alitas Welcome Center in Tucson is taking in 375 people a day, just a few days after the judge kept the closures in place at official southern border ports of entry. At that shelter, the director, Teresa Cavendish, and other aid workers in Tucson are preparing for the likelihood of handling upwards of 1,000 people a day very soon. Most of the people arriving there are from countries like Cuba, Venezuela, and Colombia, or even farther afield like the Middle East. Immigration authorities cannot easily return them to their home countries or to Mexico, so they're being allowed into the country for now as their asylum claims are being processed. Lawlessness, folks. Lawlessness. There's a legal immigration process spelled out in numerous federal laws, just like with the gun control thing. There are numerous gun laws on the books. And so all they want to do now is make even more gun laws. And then they can, and their henchmen, any of the henchmen in law enforcement agencies at the federal, state, and local level around the nation, what they can do then is they can selectively enforce those laws and ignore the ones that they don't want to. Why? No accountability. If we don't hold people accountable for their law-breaking, people, a large number, will just not stop their law-breaking. And that makes the rule of law totally unnecessary. So what's the president up to? I'm sure you heard that he had a long, nice weekend on the beach in Delaware. More than any other president ever, more than any other president ever, Joe Biden is out of D.C. on personal time than any other president. His place of choice, of course, is one of his places in Delaware, the, co- the house that they live in, or they have another one on the beach. He's got five homes around the country. Not a bad deal for a guy that was just a U.S. senator making 170000 a year and then about 200000 a year as vice president for eight years, and he's got million-dollar homes all over North America. On Friday, he did step up and say some things, but one of them, he lied. He lied about the level of debt and savings that U.S. households have accumulated while he's been president. He boasted during a White House address that the average American household has increased their savings and lowered their debt since his inauguration. Today, he said, thanks to the economic plan and the vaccination plan that my administration put into action, that's a lie. I mean, it was in in action before he even became president. It was the Trump administration where he got his vaccination, but he wants everybody to forget about it like he did, obviously. He said, thanks to the economic plan and my vaccination plan, America has achieved the most robust recovery in modern history, just two years removed from the worst economic crisis since the Great Depression. Since I took office, families are carrying less debt. Their average savings are up. He said families feel financially comfortable 
under his economic plan. And when, when I heard him say, I just, what world is he living in? I don't know a single family that feels financially comfortable under this economic plan of his. I don't know a single one. So we data check him. Data from the U.S. Commerce Department published May 27th, just a week ago, showed the U.S. personal savings rate fell to the lowest point since uh, September 2008. And that was back in April, falling to 4.4%. Wells Fargo, an economist there, Tim Quinlan, said the U.S. Commerce Department data would typically be a warning sign for future economic turbulence. He said in a typical cycle, a sharp drop in the savings rate would be a warning sign about the sustainability of spending. The Bureau of Labor and Statistics said that real wages continue to decline. From April of 21 to April of 22, real average hourly earnings decreased 2.3% seasonally adjusted. And then there's consumer credit card debt. It went from $266 billion to $15.84 trillion in the first quarter of 2022. That's according to data from the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. Balances now stand $1.7 trillion higher than at the end of 2019 before the COVID-19 pandemic. Mortgage and auto loan balances rose by a quarter of a trillion and $11 billion prospectively in the quarter. Despite credit card balances declining by $15 billion, consumer credit card balances are $71 billion higher than the first three months of 2021. And Biden actually said this, quote, Today, thanks to the economic plan and the vaccination plan that my administration put into action, America has achieved the most robust recovery in modern history and just two years removed from the worst economic crisis since the Great Depression. That's what our president had to say. Once again, I'll, I'll say, I say this often, I just don't see how or where Democrats can get these things and get them, and especially the president of the United States, and get on a stage or get in front of a, a press group and say these things thinking that he can't be checked. And I mean, he didn't just miss it a little bit, folks. He missed it a mile. He missed it a, a, a mile. So he's really in bad straits. He's way upside down in his approval ratings by you and me and other Americans. And he thinks he's got it going on, but finally, finally, somebody in his staff, I don't know who it is, but they finally got in the ear of the president, maybe through Ron, Ron Klain, his uh, staff director. I don't know who opened the door there, but someone got to him because they made some plans to get him out in the public to kind of soften things and convince more people that they're on the right track to get back. So what is he going to do? He hadn't appeared before a press group, a real press briefing, I think, in 135 days. He's headed west this week. He's going out west 
And while he's out there, he's going to do a late night TV talk show. White House has a new plan for Biden's sinking approval. Get on the road. And it kicks off this week, heading out west to visit late night TV host Jimmy Kimmel. But the West Wing denies any turmoil, saying this depiction of the White House is simply divorced from reality. Here to react, Fox News contributor and author of upcoming book, Defeating Big Government Socialism, Newt Gingrich. Good morning to you, Newt. Good morning. Good morning. Good to be with you. Good to have you on. This in, this is a very interesting article. They talk about inflation, supply chain crisis, the low poll numbers, their parallels to Jimmy Carter. They say that those closest to him are frustrated because the administration uh, is treating him with kid gloves and not interacting with voters and morale inside the White House is plummeting. How accurate is all this? Well, first of all, you know, Calista went out Saturday and filled up her car and it cost $104.50. She came home sort of in a state of shock. I don't think there's enough humor uh, on late night television to offset $104 for gasoline. Uh, and, and of course, in places like California, it's even higher, up to $8 in some parts of California. Uh, people are just in a state of shock. Then, the, as, as one lady said in Washington, Pennsylvania, uh, she had to go to five different stores to get infant formula. She couldn't afford the gasoline to go to five different stores. Uh, so people have this compounding effect, and then you go and you try to buy groceries. They're going up, I think, faster than gasoline right now. Uh, you're about to have electricity brownouts around the country because we failed to invest in a, in a reliable electric system while asking people to buy electric cars. Uh, all these things are compounding, and I think the Biden people, including the president, don't have a clue about reality. They're, this is not a message problem. This is a reality problem. You're, you're absolutely right. He, according to the, these reports, he's calling Trump the worst president in history, and he can't believe that Trump's polls were better than his at this point. Are they just out of touch? Yeah, look, I, they, they live in a left-wing crazed bubble uh, in which they, they impose rules. You, you just had a brief story about this in terms of the Tampa Bay Rays. Imagine that one of the major, well, the Major League Baseball said, you have to wear a Christian cross or you have to wear a Jewish Star of David to show your support. Uh, you know, people would be up in arms. But now instead we're told you have to be in, in favor of specific lifestyles in order to show up on the baseball field. I think people are looking at all of this stuff together, not any one thing, the cultural war, the economic disaster, the foreign policy mistakes, and frankly, President Biden's personal incompetence. I mean, you watch him for a while and you cringe to think that this is the commander in chief, the president of the United States, and it's clear at times that he's just out to lunch. He doesn't have any idea what he's doing. His first time on late night TV this coming Wednesday with Jimmy Kimmel. The West Wing believes, according to this article, there's still time for a course correction. We will have to see. Newt, thank you so much for coming on with us. Thank you. I got to be honest with you. My personal opinion of what uh, Ainsley Earhart just said, the president and his people are thinking that there's time for a course correction before November election and then in two years, the next presidential election. I got to be honest with you. I think the horse is out of the barn. I don't think we're going to get the horse back in the barn. I don't believe there's time for a course correction. And here's what they overestimated when they started this mess, which they started and had it all in place, or most of it in place, even before the presidential election of 2020. What do we do if we win and get the power back? And they just put together a wish list 
of all the leftist policies that they thought they could trick the American people and get in place if Joe Biden was elected. And of course, he started on day one. He kept a promise, one that he was campaigning with all along, and he began the the destruction of the fossil fuel industry with the cancellation of the permits for the XL pipeline. And that was the very beginning, not even them actually doing it, because he he went over that again and again on his campaign stops, all three of them. (laughs) Every time he got in front of anybody regarding a campaign speech, he promised that he was going to cancel the XL pipeline permit and was going to stop exploration for oil and gas in the United States. He did all of that in the face of the announcement from October just a month before. October of 2020, for the first time, U.S. became energy independent. What does that mean? It means that we were creating here enough oil and gas and even the other types of energy production, solar, wind, turbine. We were producing more than what we needed. And what is the result of that? Well, I'll tell you, on election day, I paid $1.65 a gallon for gas. You know what it is at the same station? I drove by it early this morning, $4.53 a gallon. And it was half of what the increase is between election day and today was already in place before the Ukraine-Russia debacle. Of course, Joe Biden, he blames everything. It doesn't matter what it is on somebody else. He has yet to take responsibility for anything negative that has happened in his administration. When he was vice president, he refused, as did Barack Obama, to take and be held accountable for any bad thing that happened during their eight years. That's the marching law for all Republicans in Congress and in the White House. Never admit being wrong. Just automatically assume the other person is who's being wrong. So now it's not just Joe on the road. A bunch of other people in his administration, they're taking tours around the nation. And what are they trying to do? Some reason, instead of saying, and it would be much easier. I remember when Bill Clinton was president. He had his first four years. It was mired with all kinds of conflict and bad stuff going on. You remember the Monica Lewinsky scandal broke at the end of his first term in office. And so he's going to run for re-election. Everybody said, there's no way the American people are not going to accept the fact that the president of the United States is having sex with an intern in the Oval Office. But guess what? The Democrat Party across the nation said it would be okay because he was re-elected. But here's what he did when he was re-elected. You just heard just a moment ago, former House Speaker Newt Gingrich. He was the House Speaker when that re-election election happened and Bill Clinton was re-elected. He, Speaker and the United States President, got together. And they crafted a plan, a plan to take to the American people, and it was a bipartisan plan, honestly negotiated, 
Newt Gingrich was in the middle of it. Bill Clinton was in the middle of it. And they worked out a plan, and the plan that they did was really smart, and it worked. It was not because there was a Democrat in charge. It was not because Democrats were going to be able to just push down the throats of every American, every policy that they wanted. It was actually bipartisan, and that next four years were probably the best changes, the best progress that was made under any Democrat in this century. Joe Biden refuses to do anything like that. So maybe, just maybe, what they're doing now is going to help Americans understand and maybe helps Democrats understand that they're not going to be successful unless they listen to and reason with those in their own party about all of these political issues that they're just beating people over the head with. Maybe get something done. So what are they doing? Well, they're hitting the road. They're all out on the road. I guess basically the president and his minions are going to go on tour. The Biden administration and its officials on a excuses tour. They admit Americans are suffering from soaring inflation, but are still blaming anybody, everybody but themselves. Joining me now, Washington Examiner commentary writer Tiana Lowe. Tiana, I'll call it the wah, 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 wah tour because they aren't really saying much. No, they aren't, and it's because they fundamentally don't want to admit the reason of this. They don't want to talk about the monetary expansion that they egged on. And it looks even worse for the Biden administration when you did have liberal economists like Larry Summers warning, hey, you don't dump another $2 trillion into the economy when demand is about to go back to its normal rate because he was about to roll out the vaccination program. So Jerome Powell in 2019 tried to explain away the flattening of the Phillips curve, which as you know, is the connection between you know, unemployment and inflation by saying that, oh, markets just have priced in stable, stable prices or, they, or they've expected stable prices. And now he says, and now the rest of the Biden administration peddling that Fed line of this is all just supply chain, this is all just Russia. Okay, but what about the fact that oil prices have now, or gas prices have now officially doubled since the start of the Biden administration? What about the fact that Russia only comprises 7% of American oil imports? That doesn't explain why we're having a baby formula shortage crisis. And that also doesn't explain that while savings have plummeted 15% per Northwestern Mutual from 2021 to this year. We are having personal debt increase, according to the New York Fed, by 9%. None of these numbers make sense if you do not talk about the liquidity in the market. And uh, Liz Peake, jump in here on this. That's something that we've been watching, uh, really thanks to Stephanie Pomboy coming on Maria's show so often, where people were, this has been going on for months and months and months. People are spending down their savings and increasing, particularly their credit card borrowing at in recent months at a record pace. And the Biden administration, it seems like they don't, fill up, they don't drive or they don't fill up their own cars because anybody with 
uh, any sense of, of, of working Americans would know that they're staring at gas prices every few days. And we all know that those prices have doubled, more than doubled, since he, uh, Biden took office. Dagan, nothing hurts the American pocketbook more than oil and gas prices going up. That's just a fact. Every 10 cents increase in the price of gasoline is hundreds of billions of dollars out of the economy, and everybody is affected by it. It's honestly astonishing to me. I, I, I simply can't say over and over again the fact the United States is the biggest, the world's biggest producer of oil and gas uh, at many points in our history, we have the world's biggest reserves of oil and natural gas, and yet this administration is so wedded to a green new world that they simply won't move aggressively to tap those resources. It's extraordinary, and it's a huge tax on every American. I can't imagine why they're doing this, honestly. It's, it's mind-boggling because it's going to clobber them in November. Right. It makes it makes working men and women in this country poor. It lowers their standard of living. That this has been a war on the, the working class and lower income Americans at every turn, whether it's the formula shortage, whether it's the record high gas and diesel prices. What Americans need to realize is all of the issues that we're seeing now, almost without exception, are unnecessary. They're self-inflicted. And they're self-inflicted not just by decisions made by President Joe Biden, but by all of those that are in power. And of course, if you're in power, if you have a majority in the House, the Senate, and the White House, you can pretty much get your stuff, your policies crammed down Americans' throats. But what they're doing, they're not just coming out on top and winning a battle. The battle they're winning is killing Americans. I mean, it's destroying the pocketbooks. So Joe's out this morning talking about the May jobs report. I don't know if folks remember the great moment in the 1980 presidential debate between Reagan and Carter. I'll never forget it. It was a great debate. There were several of them. Carter was a little bit like a ankle-biting puppy dog. He kept swiping at Reagan with lies, falsehoods. Finally, the Gipper turned to him and said, there you go again, and the crowd roared. That debate was won, and the rest were won, as they say, was history, good history. That was a great eight years for us. And today we're making bad history. Today, Joe Biden had this absolutely fantastic line talking about inflation and how we have to understand the root of the problem. Here's what he said. It's important that we understand the root of the problem so we can take steps to solve it. I've been upfront with the American people from the outset that there would be a cost here at home of Putin's decision to brutally and savagely invade a sovereign nation. Well, I don't remember him ever saying that at the beginning before it happened. He didn't warn us about prices going through the roof, even higher than they were at the time. So what's so wonderful about this is that Mr. Biden and his team are engaged in a full-bore campaign to hide from us the real cause of inflation. Or maybe they don't understand it themselves, which is an even bigger problem. It's Putin's price hike. Nothing to do with Biden fiscal policy. That's what he said from the beginning, and he's sticking to it. 
Of course, now that the president feels our pain on inflation, he and his minions are on the road. They're out there apologizing this week for being a year and a half too late. But while they're doing that, apologizing, they're spreading their demonstrably terrific lies, I guess we can call them falsehoods to make them soft, about the root cause of inflation. Once again, I invite your attention to my favorite policy of all, that being Janet Yellen's, the Secretary of Treasury. Her hostage video, look, she said, I think I was wrong then about the path that inflation would take As I mentioned, there have been unanticipated and large shocks to the economy that have boosted energy and food prices and supply bottlenecks that have affected our economy badly that I, at the time, didn't fully understand, she said. So if Putin really is the problem, why is our inflation so much higher than the inflation rates of the other countries like us that have big economies? A recent study from the San Francisco Fed entitled, Why is U.S. Inflation Higher Than in Other Countries? shows that the core U.S. CPI inflation rate is running about 5%. Well, what's it like the rest of the world? 2%. Of course, they don't ever want to mention or even talk about it when somebody brings it up, that $2 trillion emergency spending plan that provided the inflationary liftoff in the beginning, like jamming even more demand into the Trump V-shaped recovery that was already strong, and at the same time, the Bidens put the clamps on the fossil fuel industry and other anti-business policy that restricted the supply of goods and services. So in ordinary terms, Biden's woke economic policies boosted demand, but shackled supply. The result? Higher inflation. This happened a year before Putin was massing troops on the Ukraine border, and then the year before Putin, inflation took off, as did gasoline prices, food prices, every other stinking price you can think of. Biden won't admit to that. Neither will Yellen. And by the way, neither will Fed head Jay Powell who supported the Biden spending package and financed the borrowing of the Biden spending package by buying all the bonds, all the bonds, every one of them, and increasing the money supply. Let's not make this any harder than it needs to be. It's just that our president, Uncle Joe, who wants to understand the root of the problem, absolutely does not want anybody to understand the real root of the problem. He's now boasting again about Deficit reduction. And it is true. The deficit over the past year is coming down. But you know why? Many of the emergency spending programs are expiring. The successful Trump tax cuts are boosting revenues. Bidenflation is also boosting revenues. And by the way, if Uncle Joe had his way with Build Back Better, he would put another string of deficits and $3 trillion more of federal debt on the books from his not-paid-for $5 trillion Build Back Better plan. In fact, the words paid for, not in the Biden vocabulary. But Uncle Joe can have it both ways. If you're cutting spending, then stop pushing for your spending package. 
as recently as his Wall Street Journal op-ed from a couple of days ago, he kept pushing for his spending plan. So, Mr. President, quit bragging about your deficit reduction. Anyway, this is all too much dog-chasing talk for me. We saved America and killed the bill. And it's got to stay killed, that Build Back Better bill. We cannot afford We can't afford it. We just can't afford it. There's some big news in Hunter Biden world. Oh my gosh, you thought we were through that? <laughs> you just wish we were. Really big news. Right after this. Welcome to McDonald's. Can I take your order? Yeah, I'll have a pre-meeting pump-up, a Monday fixer, and a screaming boss recovery. So that's one peppermint mocha, one McCafe frappe, and one fruit smoothie? Yep. Name your drink. McDonald's has it. We're your destination for those special flavors that help you get through your day. Get any small McCafe smoothie, frappe, shake, or espresso drink for only $2. Even the delicious new peppermint mocha. For a limited time, price and participation may vary. Don't miss our iHeartRadio at-home session with Jesse McCartney. Presented by Hellman's. An exclusive and intimate performance. At a time when we're craving live music. Watch Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on iHeartRadio's YouTube. Missing that restaurant flavor at home this summer? Hellman's is bringing crave-worthy flavors to you. Serving up new drizzle sauces that you can put on pretty much anything. With flavors like cilantro lime, roasted garlic, and creamy chili honey, you can drizzle, dip, and dress to make home the best restaurant around. Carb up with Yakisoba, the noodle masters. No matter what stage of life you're in, we have the perfect noodles for you. From birthday noodles to wedding noodles, all the way to those most final of noodles. Every occasion has a noodle at Yakisoba, so experience something different. Yakisoba, it literally means fried noodles. Disruptive may be just another overused buzzword, but disruptions in business like network downtime, data loss, social media abuse, and limited bandwidth are downright disruptive. For businesses large or small, Barracuda Networks offers powerful, affordable, yet easy-to-implement content security, application delivery, and data protection solutions, all designed to prevent disruptions and simplify IT. For an online demo or to try any of our security or storage solutions risk-free for 30 days, visit barracuda.com disruptive. Told you we'd keep our eyes on what was coming out of the Supreme Court today. They have issued their opinions on three cases today. One was a bankruptcy law case involving a trustee for the defunct tech store, you remember, Circuit City. Another was a Florida-based case on Medicaid. A third was a labor dispute involving Southwest Airlines and a worker who wanted to sue the airline over allegedly lacking overtime wages rather than going to arbitration. But they did not yet weigh in on that case involving that Mississippi law which bans abortion after 15 weeks. So, we may get it next week. We'll get it before the end of the term, which is the end of June. I guess I think all the, the people that are familiar with the timing of the court, I think they felt like uh, today was going to be the day. But obviously it wasn't. As usual, we'll keep our eyes peeled so we can get to you on anything that uh, is important there. So what about what about this thing with uh, uh, with Hunter Biden? Let me go find that uh, that information. 
We've heard, you've heard me talk about the Biden family syndicate for some time. So for the Biden family, especially Joe, Hunter's laptop has become the laptop from hell. And so there are some newly released contents, and it shows that the president's brother, James, and Hunter together were key in collaboration with several individuals and entities to use the available access to Joe Biden's influence, use that to initiate and perpetuate business deals. It's no longer credible for anyone to say there was nothing underhanded and almost undoubtedly illegal about what the Biden family syndicate was all about. So let's just dive into it. We've got about 16 minutes left. James Biden, Joe's brother, took out his iPhone early one morning in September of 2017, tapped a quick message to his nephew, Hunter. It was, as usual, filled with typographical letters. He's not famous for being able to spell. It was filled with exclamation points meant to convey his excitement. Hunter, we are cut from the same cloth, he wrote. You are a fine and gentle person. Believe it or not, I know you. It sounds corny, but we both deserve to enjoy the moment. Concentrate on the good in our lives and try to step out of all the BS you deal with on a minute-to-minute basis. The exchange comes from a hard drive copy that Hunter Biden dropped off at a repair shop and he never retrieved it. A copy was provided to the Washington Post. Two forensic analysts authenticated the emails cited in what we're giving you today. This is all proven by the Washington Post. You know, not a very conservative news site, but they've verified this information as factual. James or Jim and Hunter Biden is nephew. We're in the middle of a lucrative deal with Chinese executives. While Joe Biden was out of public office for the first time in nearly a half century, having left the vice presidency a few months before. Hunter was also wrestling at the time with drug addiction, with financial problems, and a relationship with his late brother Bo's widow that had become public at the time. In the middle of that, Hunter turned to his uncle for some emotional support, at least as much as to his famous dad. Hunter also relied upon Jim Biden, his uncle, who goes by Jim, and is known as Jimmy within the family on matters of dollars and cents. Within days of that exchange, Hunter received another email from Uncle Jim urging him to take advantage of a pending financial opportunity related to Joe Biden. Joe Biden is the dealmaker in this. The urgency is obvious, even if the precise subject is not. You need to call me now, James wrote on October 1st of that year, 2017, Just got off the phone with your dad. We have the two biggest days of our business life before us. We must be smart or everything goes up in smoke. Please call me. You must remain calm. The timing could not be worse. Calm and measured. Paybacks can come later. James, we know very little about him. But he has in many ways always been the protector in the Biden family, the one who made sure the machinery ran while his brother Joe soared to the hop of the political world. President Biden, as recently as late last year, referred to his brother as my brother Jimmy, who fixes everything. He's been there for the bad times, comforting family members in distress, visiting the bedside of loved ones and getting them into rehab when needed. 
At his first wedding, he was by his brother's side, was at the hospital when Bo died, and found a neurosurgeon when Joe had a brain aneurysm. He even helped paint Hunter's law school apartment. When Joe Biden became president, his brother was tasked with redecorating the Oval Office. Yet from the start of Joe Biden's political career, James, seven years younger, has also walked up to ethical lines his brother has avoided, leaving a complicated trail of business dealings and angry lawsuits in his wake. In a rare phone interview, James said he tries to keep a low profile and he used more than a few expletives to describe unwelcome attention from Republicans in the media. I'm the guy, he said, who assists in everything. When it comes to my family, I try to be as supportive as possible, but this notion of the fixer or any reference that has a negative connotation is offensive. And he added, the notion I am some underworld figure and I'm a fixer or the cleaner or I'm this or that, I'm a very concerned family member who tries to protect my family in every way I can, in what is a very ethical way. James Biden talked about, and he talked about loud during the interview, that he shouldn't be speaking to a reporter. Then he resumed talking. Eventually, his wife Sarah entered the room and advised him to cut off the conversation. Talk to a real person who knows me, James Biden said. Then he offered, guess what? There's not many who do. James has included Hunter in many financial deals. His expressions of undying empathy for his nephew, alternating with exciting business pitches, yet many of those deals have turned sour. In fact, most of them have, as one-time business partners have alleged in court documents that James Biden has said he would bring in business using the Biden name and connections, then he failed to deliver allegations that he denies. The Washington Post spoke to associates of Jim Biden at his request. They spoke on the condition of anonymity to discuss sensitive legal matters and declined to provide specifics. Hunter did not respond to several requests for comments sent through his attorney and the White House declined to comment. The intricate mesh of relationships in the family syndicate between the president, his son Hunter, and his brother Jim illustrates how the president's relatives have struggled to make a life in his political shadow. But they are trying. They are not giving up. The president and his family are sure to face a number of investigations if the GOP take at least one chamber of Congress in November's midterms. Republicans have recently drawn more attention to Jim and Hunter, indicating they would put him under the spotlight. James and Hunter are far from the first presidential relatives to face scrutiny. From Billy Carter to Roger Clinton, presidential siblings have caused political problems forever. At the same time, former President Donald Trump's family members regularly sought business opportunities related to his presidency and even took positions in his administration. It's clear that Jim, Jim Biden, both soothed his troubled nephew in moments of genuine despair, and worked to cultivate business opportunities with him. My Uncle Jimmy is my best friend in the world, Hunter said last year during a podcast interview. The two men share the light banter of close family members emailing on subjects like the sporting events of Hunter Biden's children. 
in the emails, James at one point asked Hunter to ad- for some advice on getting his boat painted at his marina. And at another advised him on a tire for an upcoming dinner. James also frequently encouraged Hunter to take time to relax and to try yoga and meditation. It's worked for you in the past, he wrote in 2017. Force yourself. I'm hitting the gym big time. Let's take some stress off anyway. We can't. I'm with you, pal. A few weeks after that, James was enthusiastically outlining ways for the two to leverage political connections in pursuit of infrastructure projects. They knew officials in California, James reminded Hunter, including then-Governor Jerry Brown, so that they could go after rail projects in the state. He added that massive projects were shaping up in Minnesota where they could tap the Democrat delegation for help. And New York Governor Andrew Cuomo would meet with them whenever they were ready. We are very driven people, James Biden exhorted. We are rifle shot rather than the shotgun approach. There's no doubt that the Biden family syndicate was operating years ago. It fueled itself with the number one asset any political entity or person must have to survive. What is it? What is it you tell me? Access. What better access for Hunter and James to sell than that of Hunter's dad and James's brother? Joe Biden. Joe Biden, when he was vice president for eight years and now as president. No one can honestly contend this process did not exist and that tens of millions of dollars were the outcome of this family syndicate. What's so bad about that? Well, after all, it was just a group of family members taking advantage of a privilege that fell in their laps. No harm, no foul, right? Evil excels when those who take and use it believe that evil is not evil, but it's opportunity. We could take an hour or two and detail the dangerous fruit growing from the Biden family syndicate operations. Many doors have opened, allowing who knows who, access to the current White House, also to Barack Obama's White House. We may never know how deep and wide this access has been or who everyone the syndicate has brought to Vice President Joe Biden and now President Joe Biden. But one thing is is certain. Any access to any vice president or any president that occurs through channels other than the official process for doing so can only be surreptitious, and deadly. At a moment's notice, we could find the President of the United States forced through blackmail regarding any number of issues of importance to whoever has such access. It's sad to think, but it's now certain Joe Biden is compromised in his position as President. Hopefully, Special Counsel John Durham's case looking into the origins of the Russia collusion back in 2016, will cross paths with Hunter, James, and Joe's influence peddling. If so, it would be nice to know if and how Congress and the Department of Justice are going to address that matter, if they do it at all. Don't you join with American citizens in the country that are tired of those in power getting free passes over and over from criminal activities of every kind? 
American patriots must stand together. We've got to demand justice in this matter. There's no other way. We've got to demand it except nothing less than full disclosure. The Biden family syndicate, it's got to go the way of Don Corleone from The Godfather. It's got to be terminated. There's no doubt about it. It's got to be terminated. I want to close with this this story. President Biden's energy secretary, Jennifer Granholm, she's crazy, folks. Have you seen her in these ads? She just says stuff off the wall. She, I don't think she has a clue. She was a, the governor of Michigan. I just don't get it. Thursday, she said, we're going to have to pay at least $4 a gallon for the foreseeable future. The price of gas is likely to remain above $4 a gallon, she said. That's based on data from the Department of Energy. She has said in the past that high gas prices will encourage people to buy more expensive fuel-efficient vehicles. Now, that that just sounds kind of like realistic, right? In the past three days, gas prices have climbed $0.09 to $4.71.5. That's according to AAA data on Thursday of last week. A total of 18 states are hovering around 5 bucks a gallon. J.P. Morgan Chase on the 18th of May raised concerns the national average of gas could increase to 6 bucks a gallon. Gina Raimondo, Commerce Secretary, was also questioned about the high gas prices. When asked when gas prices may come down to pre-Biden levels, Raimondo replied she did not know. No one has a crystal ball. Now keep in mind these people, these are the leaders of two very important departments of Joe Biden's administration. She don't know. They don't know. We don't know. Joe Biden doesn't know. That's a wrap on Monday. We're going to keep our eyes on everything going for you. Make sure you're back with us tomorrow morning, 9 to 11 a.m., every Monday through Friday at TNN Live.
Keep on moving. 